Hi, I'm Tim Sanova, and welcome to Work Shouldn't Suck Live, the morning-ish show. On today's episode, Lauren Ruffin and I are joined by Christina Newman-Scott. Christina currently serves as the president of BRIC, a leading arts and media institution anchored in downtown Brooklyn, whose work spans contemporary visual and performing arts, media, and civic action. Prior to BRIC, Christina served as the Director of Culture and State Historic Preservation Officer for the State of Connecticut, Director of Marketing, Events, and Cultural Affairs for the City of Hartford, Director of Programs at the Boston Center for the Arts, and Director of Visual Arts at Hartford's Real Artways. She has received a myriad of awards, honors, and recognition, including in 2018 when she was presented with the Selena Roberts Odom Award, which recognizes an individual working in arts management who exemplifies extraordinary leadership qualities. Without further ado, Christina, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. How are you? We are doing well. well. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Thank you for having me on. I'm clearly going to, I keep editing my bio and I'm just going to keep working on that. (laughs) Make it shorter and tighter (laughs) and shorter. I'm going to get it into a tweet version soon. I promise. Yeah. No, I I keep wondering, like, how do we talk about ourselves in like, you know, 20 seconds or less? It's impossible. Yeah, I know. It's not, it's not, we have to figure that out. Yeah. That's another show that you could focus on. Yeah. Maybe just like, you know, chopping people's bios. Yes. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. All of us. Good morning, chop. Good morning, Chuck. I need it. I know people that need it. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize you were you are a Hartford person. The night we have the ninety one connection. Yeah, the ninety one connection. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hartford. That's yeah. where when I moved from Jamaica, that's where I moved to Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah. Boomtown. Yes. I love me some Hartford. I learned so much. Honestly, most of them. Yeah, learned so much. I have a lot of love for Hartford. Cool. So um, how are you? How's your community doing? And I know that you're holed up with family right now. So how's everyone, how's everyone doing during the pandemic? I mean, I think, I think we're blessed. I, you know, I feel really fortunate to have my family with me, my mother-in-law, we're with her in her home in Connecticut. Um, It's a little bit, my 10 year old is doing the online school thing as most people's children are. I think that, um, my two-year-old, it's a little bit trickier because God bless daycares b- because me working full-time virtually and my husband working full-time virtually and then our two-year-old is being, big, you know, Nickelodeon Junior is her babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> and so I every day am like struggling with the guilt when I have to clog on for work and I'm, you know, we're working full more than full hours. Like I'm sure you've heard this, you're doing it yourself. I'm working more now than I was when I was at the office and I was working a lot then, but I literally take the remotes and I'm like, mommy's going to work now. (laughs) And I go, Abby Hatcher. And it brings it up and I press play and then I go to work. And then I'm like, don't call the police. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like how a mom might feel if I was like leaving the house and closing the door, I'll be right back. (laughs) Don't move. And so even though I could laugh about it, it's really stressful because I'm like, I'm not paying attention to my toddler. What is going to happen? Yeah. I've been thinking a lot. I can't imagine. And, and our kids are nine and 12 now. Yep. But I just think back to the occasional day where like I had to work from home like seven years ago Mm -hmm. and it was just so hard with little, little kids. 
It is. So everyone who's doing it now, like this is this is not the way that we are supposed to work virtually. Like this is just not fidelity to the model. It's just it's bad all around. Yes, and if we keep this up, work will suck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need to figure out this situation uh, and come together. And so at Brick, what we've been doing is, you know, we've been learning. We have um, what we call our virtual stoop meetings at Brick House every week. The entire staff gathers together uh, for a, a stoop meeting because we have this fantastic stoop in our building. So the, about a hundred of us, a little more than a hundred of my staff members. Um, that's my staff team size get together and we talk and it's fairly quick it's like a weekly check-in and then we have a more robust one um that's an hour long but we've been doing these virtual stoops with the staff and we've been you know kind of hearing about what works and so i've been trying to build um kind of quiet work time so that we're because what i found that was happening was just a constant stream of online meetings so you are zooming from like 9 a.m to 7 p.m. Yeah. And then you yeah. don't, you're not working. You're just zooming. And then, and then you're like, oh, right. I live with people. Like I have a family. What are you people doing? And so we've now created work, t- quiet time. No, like lunch is sacred. Like let people yeah. eat with their yeah. families and like, you know, afternoon. So we're figuring it out and we keep learning. And, you know, my team cons, con- they have no fair in telling me what is working and what is not working. Yeah. So, That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. You're really rooted in the Brooklyn arts community as well. What are you hearing from from that community of artists? It's hard. Artists, um, so, I mean, artists have lost their gigs. I mean, they're such, they depend. They're, you know, they're part of the gig economy. And a lot of the performing artists, visual artists who had either exhibition shows, just the artists that we were, you know, lined up to present, everything's shifting. And I think... um, I really feel for the artists in our community. And so what we've been doing is um, transferring as much as possible, everything that we were going to be presenting at Brick House onto uh, our, um, you know, to virtual programming and so that we can keep artists paid. So for instance, you know, we're doing um, uh, the poetry slam that we do with Mahogany Brown and Jive Poetic. That's a big, the Brooklyn poetry slam, uh, started at brick and so we want to make sure that you know those folks continue to engage with us and that we're paying them for their work and so we're we're just really trying to transition as much as possible and as it makes sense um into virtual programming but a lot of our peers it's this it's not good it's just not good the you know the news is it's really rough especially those that are dependent on tickets um and do massive productions and presentations it's really not good but um we've all applied for every grant every loan um we've we also brick has a resource page on our website for artists that i know that there's so many resources being shared out there but we have been keeping a list of resources for the field with a focus on artists and we also have a resource list for our, our immediate community in downtown brooklyn fort green area so that people can see where they can go uh, above and beyond arts and culture resources but um food services home services we've been trying to um get all of that information and keep it in one place for folks to easily access. So 
What yeah. does the transition look like for you in the organization? Because part of Brick, you have a, a television studio, yes. you have serve, you have um, studios to stream podcasts, produce yes. stream podcasts. Yeah. So you, you have some of that infrastructure that, yes. that allows for this transition, um, but it's still a physical space where I imagine most people work there physically mm-hmm. during the mm-hmm. week. So what has this transition looked like over the past couple of weeks to be an almost or entirely virtual organization? You know, uh, in the midst of this craziness, um, it really uh, is in some ways an exciting moment for Brick because we had just, our board just approved our new strategic plan um, that guides the next four years of our work. And within that plan, there is a key focus on uh, technology and the work that we're doing in the digital realm. And this has just fast-tracked uh, and I'm hearing that from some of my peers too, who have, they're like, we were going to do this, but, but we're doing it now. We have this slated for 2021, but you know, so in many ways with brick, we we've been in the media business for 40 years, but there has been an exciting moment for us as we've been rapid prototyping some of these online experiences that we're able to think about and we're already learning about what's going to be what's what's going to have longevity and so we're really looking at our capacity what what we're capable of doing and how we're going to continue doing um, all the things that we're learning about that we're excited about something that happened right when this um, when we started to go to remote work at brick that we really got excited about is the fact that because we're a broadcast uh, center and a public access center, we're able to connect with television stations anywhere in the world. So of course you can do online YouTube, you can do Instagram live and all of that, but we could actually patch you in to like MSNBC. We can do this live talk in on television stations in countries. So an example of that is something that we piloted a few months ago with um, VP Records, where we did this celebration of their uh, reggae gold. It was an anniversary moment for them. And at Brick, we were able to be live in over 1 million homes on the island of Jamaica. Now that, that that's a game changer because people that have our we're in what a million we're in about a million homes right now a lot of those folks that we reach don't have access to high-speed internet they are not they're getting left behind there's like a digital divide right there's a gap there and so we really treasure the folks that are still accessing content in this way you know through cable and so we're thinking a lot about that digital divide we're thinking a lot about how to make sure they don't get left out we're ensuring that what we do live on instagram or facebook can be patched into the channels we're looking at how we can continue to be of service with the department of education could we bring educational tools to channels to kids who don't have high-speed internet and can't log on for school so we're thinking about a lot of those things and having those conversations now yeah. And you can prototype that right at home with your two-year-old, right? What? Well, <laughs> if it was Abby Hatcher teaching the class, <laughs> if it was an actual class, it would not happen. She's already given up on circle time. We did circle time every morning at nine o'clock for two weeks and it oh, was wow. great. And then one day she was like, and I'm done. Yeah. Enough of the circle time. No more circle time. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it goes. What are you guys seeing and learn? Like, what are you guys excited about? I mean, I love that work shouldn't suck is now this wonderful experience, right? And so, what are what what's happening on your end? 
You want to go first, Tim? You want me to go? <laughs> Come on, people. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, so I think, so one, I mean, this has been hearing how everyone is sort of rapidly adjusting, rapid prototyping new things is, you know, I just think it's such an opportunity. Um, I know it's daunting and really, really hard. Yeah. Um, but hearing how adaptive and nimble humans are and organizations can be, I think is yep. fantastic. There are so many things that I hope organizations hold on to over the yes. long over the long haul. So that's really cool. Um, and then I'm also thinking a lot about how the how our sector, the cultural sector, in so many ways exists to convene. Um, and I'm really thinking through how do we translate for organizations that you know might not be as tech savvy as a brick or as a fracture atlas. How do we become? Uh, how do we do the knowledge transfer? Yeah. Over the next, you know, probably eighteen to twenty-four months, um, to help organizations continue to sort of meet their mission um, and the work they do convening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just, I'm, I'm just sort of my brain is actually really excited right now. Yeah. I felt like I had hit kind of a, a boring patch um, at the beginning of this year. I was kind of like, oh, ho hum. Right. Um, but yeah, for me, this has been a really energizing time. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. It is that it forces us, right? Like it forces us uh, to like show up in the world in a new way. And that is that is exciting. What about you, yeah. Tim? Yeah, I've really enjoyed the daily conversations that we're having. Yeah. Um, I mean, we started this sort of just a way to connect with people outside right. of, you know, our homes. And at, at the same time, sort of a time capsule, if you will, for for the time that we're living in. And I think back to, you know, three weeks ago when Jamie Bennett was our first guest and all the oh, stuff that Jamie is, Bennett. It was, yeah, it was terrific. I you Jamie know, Bennett. It's like, but everything I thought, you know, like, we should check in with Jamie because like so much stuff has happened since we had that first conversation mm-hmm. and to to talk through in real time with with people who are leading organizations, people who are experienced this in different ways around around North America um, and to engage with people who are around the world in, in the chat has been really meaningful um, experience and to think what what is next? How can we use this opportunity to hold on to the things that um, are really important to build that thing? And, yes. and now that we've proven that you can get work done without someone look, watching you and you can do things in a remote setting, right. um, how can we as organizations, as a sector, um, as a country, as humanity, keep these things? And, and what's what do we need to do to, to make sure that we don't lose that once things start to open up again? Uh, and so that's been really exciting to sort of live in that space and talk to people about how do we co-create a future where everyone can thrive? Yes, I love that. I'm yeah. here for that. Brick is very much our work is rooted in, in uh, our, you know, in thinking and behaving in that way. And, um, you know, it's a simple thing, but it's exciting for us is when this happens, so many of our peers, because they weren't accessing technology in this way, um, you know, we were able to work really quickly with my outstanding education team to create free classes online for other cultures and small business owners to learn how to use technology, whether it's do as mini doc on your iPhone or it's what, you know, edit this piece or, and we got it, you know, we, we made it free to folks, um, uh, all of the downtown Brooklyn arts Alliance were part of it. It's just a, it's, it's been really interesting, uh, an, another way for us to understand what people actually need. What are the yeah. tools that people need? What are they interested in? And to your point, how can we, you know, 
continue to just be of service um, and hold some of these things far beyond, you know, this crisis. Yeah. Christina, are those resources still available on your website? They are. They oh, are awesome. on our website. So if you go to www.brickarts, thanks. Hey, now you guys are pro. <laughs> you guys are pro. <laughs> I production, I production value on this. Hey, I appreciate it. <laughs> Brickartsmedia.org. Uh, you can see um, uh, our calendar. And so on our calendar, and if you click on education, you'll be able to navigate and find a lot of the information there. Another thing that we did uh, pretty quickly uh, around mid-March was to launch a Creative Future Relief Fund, which was to raise money to support our transition to online programming, thereby helping us to continue to support artists and to keep our staff whole as much as possible as we do that transition. So our Creative Future Relief Fund is on our, uh, you can learn more about that as well on our website that you so wonderfully popped up a second ago. <laughs> Christina, you talked about the earlier about the, your strategic plan that you had yes. just wrapped up. Yes. And then I, 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 how, how many pieces <laughs> have just been tossed in the air that you thought were all sort of said, or how are you processing this now that you've, you've concluded that and things have, have started to change or maybe I mean, that they haven't things. I, you know, it's interesting. I don't think, I don't think there's so many pieces up in the air. I think that what this has done outside of the, you know, fast tracking our exploration of uh, what we can do digitally and how we present visual performing and media using new technology will always present in our space. We have a beautiful space, <laughs> 40,000 square foot space. That's not going away. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't think there will ever be a moment again that we aren't simultaneously engaging people virtually mm -hmm. while doing that. And I think that's true for many organizations. But what's exciting about this moment is that in many ways, it reinforces all the things that we've said in our strategic plan in terms of um, how we our mission, vision, and values. And so just having that center us every single day, because at the beginning of this, I think people are all like, wait. You want me to talk to artists online? You, you want to do, it felt like a lot to process. M my staff were like, what do you mean? Like, you want me to go virtual? How? Like, and then it was almost like they were like thinking of themselves as a new organization. Like, wait, we don't do this this way. So it was hard outside of my media team. It was hard for my visual and performing folks to like process that. But the more that we just um, leaned into what we said we're about and our strategic plan as a guide is the more it became really clear. Mm -hmm. Everything's centered in the mission. So we're not changing that. We're just shifting how someone um, receives this, receives the information, accesses the resources, shares in the experience, you know? Yeah. So it really has rooted us. And I'm very thankful that we have that at this moment as an organization because it's, it's, our, it's our landing pad, you yeah. know? I think that piece about... And I have been thinking a whole lot about this, um, the accessibility upside to mm -hmm. forcing people to offer everything with a, you know, of course, we're all online right now, but moving forward for the rest of our lives, yeah. everything you do in real life, and not that this isn't real life, we're obviously here, um, yeah. but everything you're doing face to face, you should yeah. also have some sort of online component. And I just yeah. think the quality of, you know, thinking about live captioning, um, all of that, you know, transcribing things, the various modalities of learning and especially adult learning, adult cognition. We're going to get so much more sophisticated on that right now. And yes, that really like excites me. 
you know, I met um, Tom Chi. Did you meet Tom Chi, Tim? Tim, did you meet Tom? Tim, Tim, did you meet Tom? Tom, Tim. Years ago, I was part of this uh, high global leadership. It's like a massive gathering together of folks from all over the world um, for an intensive three-day experience. And Tom Chi, he was the head of Google X. And he talked a lot about rapid prototyping for community development. Mm -hmm. And I've just, you know, this is maybe now seven years ago at this point, but or six maybe. And he talked about doing being the best way of thinking and learning. And I just, I just have loved that line. I know he's not the only one that says that. And we all know that because of our experiences to be true. I mean, how do you learn how to ride a bicycle? No one's going to YouTube. Okay. (laughs) I was like, let me YouTube how to ride a bicycle. So I I love that. I live in that and I recall that in this moment, because even though there's all kinds of things that we could be doing um, to, we need to do a lot of things to learn, but I love that we are also kind of just like grassroots feeling our way through some of it and just having that immediate gut response and being able to share that with each other as we navigate the future. And we are blessed because we do have this extraordinary media team that they have so much knowledge and we can lead on them. But that that idea of doing is the best way of thinking and learning is so true. And I'm actually really appreciating um, that right now. Yeah. Yeah. You do have some of the fanciest studios. Uh, I know. You, yeah. I have some yeah. fancy I mean, studios. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> envious of, of uh, Brick Studios. Um, you know, we, Come, we got- listen, you could do work shouldn't suck when we're all back together again. If you ever want to do it in the studio, you can come down to Fulton Street in Brooklyn and come and do it. You can get your visa, come to Brooklyn. <laughs> they, they are some fancy studios, uh, Lauren. Uh, I have never yeah. been, so I'm. You've never been. We've no. got to get you from Albuquerque yeah. to Brooklyn. Yeah, I feel like I've done my time in in New York. Uh, although I watched Ghostbusters what? last night, and there I had a couple moments where I was like, "Oh, I kind of miss New York." And then I was like, "You What's know, happening? you miss New York." <laughs> What's you happening? Know you miss New York. What's happening? No one's ever done their time. And yeah, I don't know. I know people think it's like really energizing as a city, but uh, I think I just, I need a slower pace. I think I need a slower pace. I need quiet. (laughs) Well, look, I, I appreciate that. I will say it's a big shift being in Connecticut right now. And even though I was living for so long in Connecticut, it's definitely such a shift. You know, there is such a wonderful energy and pace to Brooklyn. And I miss that. And I love that. And, you know, it's funny because I have these two kids, one's total suburbanite, my 10 year old and Kent Charlie, the two, almost three year old is total New York because she doesn't know. Right. (laughs) And even though she's three, we were taking a walk the other day and I'm like, we're walking. And she's like, we're we're walking. I'm saying, we're just going to walk around the block back to our house. She goes, we're going to Brooklyn. We can, <laughs> we're walking back to Brooklyn. And I'm like, no, baby, we're not walking back to Brooklyn. <laughs> Can't walk there. Mommy's not that fit. But, um, she doesn't know that. And Kendall's like, oh, I remember all these trees. But Charlie's like, get me back to Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Well, Christina, uh, you you've worked in a lot of different environments. Yeah, uh, you've worked in, in in government. You worked in um, uh, you know art centers yep. and um, 
probably, you know, we talked about shorter bios, probably your government um, titles are not helping out for shorter bios. It seems <laughs> like you're just like, here's 18 words and, and this is your title. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. But what, what has the experience been like? Because you came from um, your role at the state of Connecticut to Brooklyn. Um, yeah. And, and what's similar? What's different? Um, have you been talking to people at your former uh, gigs and, and how they're um, ad- adjusting or adapting to um, this new environment? What's similar? What's different? Well, there's so much that is different. I mean, coming from, you know, uh, being the head of a state arts agency and, you know, you're living within and functioning within a very rigid government structure. Um, And then I was also embedded in the Department of Economic and Community Development. I think that... um, while there's so much different about how a state or, you know, municipality, even before that, when I was working for the city of Hartford, there's so much different there um, compared to a nonprofit. There is a lot of similarities in terms of um, how how, there's like a lot of similarities in terms of structure of thought, so to speak. So um, how are we caring? How, how are we adding value to our community? Mm -hmm. How are we dismantling barriers, um, thinking about barriers to access? How are we investing in the people that we are here to serve? All of those things that I was thinking about at the Connecticut Office of the Arts are the exact same things that we think about every day at Brick, mm-hmm. right, as an institution. And I think that's really great. Um, and so it, while, and I think it's helped me too, because dealing with this crisis for me, I find that I'm a pretty high energy person at work. Like I'm, I know that's shocking, but I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty high energy, you know, but I, I've learned that when it comes to crisis, I actually slow down. Um, and so that comes from my experience in government and watching mayors and governors and commissioners and other city, you know, lead political leaders and leaders having to respond to crisis, right, time and time again. And so that was, and so that, that has been some learning that has been helpful for me in this moment um, to ensure that I'm not moving too fast. Because you can move too fast with all good intention. You could just move so fast, you trip over yourself for no good reason, mm-hmm. right? And so right now, uh, I'm lucky to have the team that I have because we're we're being very paced and strategic. And while we're st- rapid prototyping a lot, we're still taking that time to be like, we don't if we, we don't need to rush for rush sake, but we're going to do this because it's right and it feels right. And we might we're going to test it. We might fail or not, you know. But so I think that learning for me has been great. Um, at the end of the day, I love that I work in an organization that cares more about. Uh, um, ourselves as an institution and really cares about community. And that's uh, the, that's one of the core reasons why I moved, packed up everybody and moved to Brooklyn because brick truly is a part of the community that we're in. And you hear that from the people that come to us. So I still very much feel like I work within community development. (laughs) It's, you know, does that make sense? I feel like I work within community development. I think brick is not only did it start off as an early creative place making strategy. I know they didn't, we didn't talk about ourselves that way, but Brick literally started as a creative place making 
experiment in 1975 with Brick Celebrate Brooklyn Festival. You think about it coming out of a mayor's office and looking at a place geographically, Prospect Park, at a time where Brooklyn was thought of as unsafe. And then they were like, okay, I'm going to use, we want to use music as a catalyst for change and arts as a way to remind people of the beauty of their community. And with that, Brick Celebrate Brooklyn was born. That's creative placemaking right there. And so our institution just grew out of that. That's our genesis story. And so in many ways, community, being of service and civic action is a part of um, of who we are. And yeah. I just love that. Yeah. Tim, was it Deborah Cullinan who gave us the suitcase metaphor? I love her too. She's great. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, uh, she's awesome. So she, uh, I'm thinking about, she gave us a suitcase and like right now you have a chance to to sort of think about what you want in your suitcase um, in terms of workplace practices or life practices. You know, what are you leaving and what are you taking with you or what yes. you learned and you're bringing with you? If you yeah, were packing bad. the rest of your life suitcase right now. Oh my God. What's one thing you're leaving behind and what's one thing you're taking with you? Yeah. Oh my God. That is such a tough question. Well, always takes banks. <laughs> Always tax banks. I'm just gonna say. So that's okay, banks are your freebie. That's just your one freebie. <laughs> Thank you. Because gotta get those. Uh, oh my god, the rest of my life suitcase, mm-hmm. and I have to pack well, this right the, now. What's the one thing? And we'll just like work, like it's work stuff. This, you know, in theory, is a work live stream. <laughs> Can I call a friend? Um, <laughs> Let's see. Um, the rest of my life suitcase. Can it be? Can, can I? It's my strategic plan. Okay. You're it's my strategic. I am taking that plan. That is an amazing plan. Okay. Because it wasn't designed by like me in my office over two weeks. You know what I mean? It was designed by our staff, our funders, our community, our audience. They designed that plan. And I'm excited about delivering with my team, excited to deliver on that plan. So that plan, because it's called the manifesto, people, it's a manifesto Manifesto. and strategic plan. We're bringing the positive back into that word. And so I'm going to take that plan. You're taking taking that plan away from white shooters and making it positive again. Absolutely. (laughs) And it is time. time. I just put it on top of my Spanx and I'm closing the suitcase. Okay. (laughs) That's my stuff right there. That's my plan. What are you, what did you take? What did you guys what pack? A, uh, we didn't answer that question. We, we oh, did. great. I'm now still is the, the time. Yeah. I yeah. still think we should like, we should stipulate that it's a hard covered suitcase, not like a soft one. Cause then you can like really get a lot of stuff in there. You probably should, have, should have <laughs> take with you. Uh, uh, Your guys are going to yeah. have to answer that. If not today with me, yeah, I'm going well, to YouTube every day and be like, answer yeah. the question. Oh, we are out of time, Christina. Wow. The time flies. <laughs> <laughs> also, we are out of time. Um, do you have any um, parting thoughts uh, for us besides that you're going to be making sure Lauren and I address this question before we close um, mm-hmm. our live stream? I think um, uh, as my two-year-old rolls her scooter beside me, uh-huh. I think that, you know, the arts have always, artists have always reminded us um, of our humanity through their work. And when we reflect on our past culture is what we reflect on. And I know that we're gonna get through this moment. I know it, I feel it. And I'm so excited to have artists as a core part of uh, our practice at Brick. And they're definitely helping us see the light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm just gonna say that I'm grateful 
for artists and creative risk takers across our country and our world right now uh, because they help to center me. And I'm grateful for the both of you. Well, Christina, we are grateful for you and yeah, grateful that you awesome. took time to spend with us. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Continue the Work Shouldn't Suck Live adventure with us on our next episode when we're joined by Dave Archuleta, Chief Development Officer at New York Live Arts. Miss us in the meantime? You can download more Work Shouldn't Suck episodes from your favorite podcasting platform of choice and rewatch Work Shouldn't Suck Live episodes over on workshouldn'tsuck.co. If you've enjoyed the conversation or are just feeling generous today, please consider writing a review on iTunes so that others who might be interested in the topic can join the fun too. Give it a thumbs up or five stars or phone a friend, whatever your podcasting platform of choice offers. If you didn't enjoy this chat, please tell someone about it who you don't like as much. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.